I just, I get inspired, I get excited, I get encouraged by a lot of times the, the music that Colton presents to us because I know it's coming from a, a place where he's just giving back what God has, has placed on his heart. And this evening, as we are kind of wrapping up our series on evangelism, I hope that you've really heard from the pastor's hearts as we've talked to you about what it means to be evangelical in this day and age. We start out with Jacob as he was talking about faith, hope, and love. And then we've moved on to talking about our stories and then what it means to evangelize to our children. And tonight, as we wrap it up, I'm just excited to bring you this message. I'm excited to be a part of the the series here because tonight, I want you to know this is a message about you. This is a message that's about this campus, the Together Ministries Baltimore campus. It's a message that shows us how God has not only planted us here, but how God is currently using us. And it's a message that shows us that we're on a mission right now. We are on the front lines, and it's exciting to be a part of that. And sorry, Surrey just popped up, and sometimes I think God speaks to me through Surrey. It's kind of odd. But anyway, it also shows how we're on this message, a message that shows how we are moving forward. And that tonight, by being here, by choosing to set time out of your schedule to be here, you are a part of a wonderful journey to be a part of a missional church, a church that isn't just focused on maintaining its well-being, but a church that's excited and ready to go out into the world proclaiming the name of Jesus with the breath that he has put in our lungs, a church that is excited to be God's hands and feet, a church that believes it can make a difference in the village of Baltimore, a church that knows it has been called here and is ready to see where God is taking us next. And you get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of this excitement. You get to be a part of this journey. And tonight, I really want you to have this term in your mind, a missional church, because really, I think that's what we have been called to be here in Baltimore, missional, purpose-driven, focused on God's mission. And we'll get into more details as to what that is But if you're sitting here asking, okay, Rory, what is a missional church? Well, a missional church, first and foremost, is a church that's intentional. It's a church that really shifts its thinking. It goes from programs to processes. It goes from demographics to discernment. It goes from models to mission. It goes from attractional to incarnational. It goes from uniformity to diversity. It goes from professional to passionate. It goes from seating to sitting. It goes from decisions to discipleship, from additional to exponential. It goes from monuments to movements. It goes from services to service, from ordained to ordinary, from organizations to organisms. God's church, God's church doesn't have a mission in the world. God's mission in the world has a church, and we get to be a part of that. And that's who he has called us to be. It's exciting. It's invigorating. It's something that we have always looked and dreamed towards being, being used by God. And tonight, we get to see that. And I'm so excited. Being a part of Together Ministries, being one of the pastors of this church, it is so encouraging and exciting that when we put together a sermon series, when we go over a text that we're about to preach, we're not just doing it haphazardly. We're doing it purposefully in prayer. And we have brought this verse together. It's a verse, a passage that I'm very excited for us to go over tonight because it talks about us We can see ourselves in the midst of this text. It's a prayer. It's intimate. It's between Jesus and God. And I hope tonight that you can see yourself in the midst of this passage. I hope tonight you can really see how God is wanting to use you, how God has a purpose for you. 
And when you look at this passage, it's in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 24. Jesus is praying for all believers, past, present, and future. Well, present and future. He's praying for all believers. He's praying for his disciples. And we are the future. We are the the next generation. So let's read this together. John chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, And have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its truth. I thank you for the fact that it calls us to to live lives that are greater and and have more purposeful, Lord, but you have given us the power to do so. And Lord, I just pray that this text would be opened up tonight, that you would take me out of the equation, that you would help us to hear from your servant, Lord, that we would truly be inspired by you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So when you read that text, did you really hear what Christ's prayer was for the church, for the disciples, for believers? Did, did you hear yourself mentioned in that text? Did you see how maybe God is using you in that text? And tonight, because you have set aside this time, because you have decided, I'm going to go to this church tonight at 5 o'clock, you are a part of a missional church. And some, you, some of you may be sitting there thinking, what is a missional church? What is he getting at with that? Well, being a missional church, first and foremost, it fulfills the mission of Jesus. So tonight, I've done a call and response before, and I want to try it again. So tonight, I want you to repeat after me this word, fulfiller. 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 I don't know if that's a real word. It didn't come up in red, so I'm pretty sure it's a word. But you know, pastors, we make up words from time to time. Fulfiller. We are called to be fulfillers of Jesus' mission. So first and foremost... I love it in verse 20. Jesus says, I don't just pray for them alone, those disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. And I love what Jesus is getting at here. One of the things that has been blowing my mind lately is the fact of of how important unity must be within the church. How important unity must be when we proclaim the name of Jesus. Because our testimony is hurt if it's not given In unity, Jesus didn't say for those who will believe in me because of the many messages that are to come. Being in unity means that we are being that powerful example. We are being that powerful witness to the reality of God's love here on earth. Because you know what? With man-made words, we'll mess it up. But by being, acting, living out that God's love, that reality of God's love, We have the ability to be in unity about who God is, how he loves his people, how he created them with intention, and why he sent his son to this earth to die for our sins. And the most practical example I can think of, have you ever had a parent tell you something different than another parent? Callie is at that stage where 
she will come to Lindsay and say, Mom, can I do this or that or can I have this snack? And Lindsay will say no. And then she'll come to me and I have no idea what Lindsay has just said. And she'll say, Dad, can I have this snack? Can I do this or that? And typically, because I'm a pushover, I'll say, sure. Yeah, let's go have some Swiss rolls and watch TV. All right. And so... Lindsay will come downstairs, and not very happy, she'll see Lindsay, or Callie and I propped up on the couch, eating Swiss rolls, watching, oh, she has so many, Bizarre Bark, or whatever those TV shows are. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, I just thought it would be a good idea to come down here and, you know, have Swiss rolls, is that okay? I just told her no! Oh, I can't tell you how many times in the past year, that scenario has played out. If it's not a Swiss roll, it's a nutty bar. You know what? We just, it gets to this place where, it, it, you know, she's saying one thing, I'm saying another, and it's confusing. So poor Callie now has this understanding. If mom says no, dad will say yes, because typically dad has no clue what's going on. I remember doing that as a kid myself, but you know what? I just want you to understand, sometimes when we're displaying love over here as Christians, but not over there, the kid gets confused. The people of this world get confused because they're like, why is it that Together Ministries is nice and doing this or that? Why isn't this church doing that? Why aren't they acting out that love? Or maybe, just maybe, I, I've gone to several Promise Keepers events in my life, and, and I can't tell you, we'll be in unity, we'll be in love in the conference. You get to that parking lot, oh my. It's horns a-beeping, people saying, get over, get out of here. When it comes down to it, if we're not unified in the love that we display to other people, the love that we share with one another, the world's going to get confused and think, well, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people are believing these days. But being a powerful witness means displaying the reality of God's love through action. And it's something that the disciples did extremely well. They took care of the orphans. They took care of the widows. They took care of the lesser, uh, lesser love people of society. They found it their mission to go out to those people who were rejected and put out to the, the curb to love on them, to treat them with dignity, and to show them that they had a purpose. And right now, we may think, well, it's not as bad back then or today as it was back then but it is there are people who are getting put out to the curb being ostracized and we need to share God's love through action because unfortunately unfortunately it's not what we are consistent in doing loving our neighbors loving our enemies loving those who wronged us oh that's a hard one right there isn't it it's tough. Even other Christians. There can be other Christians who get on your nerves. It's okay. But you can't ostracize. You can't be mean. You can't belittle. You can't talk gossip behind their back. You have to love on them. Even if they've wronged you, you still have to love them. And it's really just what makes Christians stand out in this world. You know, today is kind of a practical example. We had the Baltimore Parade. And Callie and I decided to walk around the street and giving out some flyers saying, hey, why don't you come to our church tonight at 5? And she went to hand a flyer to a lady, and the lady looked at her and said, no. Callie just, uh, she got a little upset. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just wanted to let you know we're here in town. We're at the coffee shop. Oh, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, well, I'm going to move on. Good story, though. 
because at the end of the day, as people were wrapping up, Callie said, Dad, let's go help them with their chairs. Oh, I about teared up. Yeah, let's go do it. And so we walk over and like, hey, can we help you? And she said, no. Like, okay. But hey, we're here if you need anything. Just let me know. It, it's not one of those stories where like, hey, she came to know Christ, but I hope we planted that seed. Because instead of just thinking, well, this is useless. She's never going to want to talk to me. Maybe, just maybe she knows that I'm intentional about the care and compassion for her. I don't know what's going on in her life. I don't know what kind of mourning she's had. But maybe, just maybe, that one act of kindness is what was needed for her to realize that, you know what, there are some good people left in this world. And the disciples, they lived it out effortlessly, it seemed. But you know what? We can do the same thing, too. And it's just what makes us stand out in the world. And right now, we need to stand out in the world and not be a part of the stigma that are attached with Christians. It also brings confirmation to the world that God did send his son here for a purpose. That God sent his son so that we would be an embodiment of God's love on earth. I mean, John 3.16, we always see it at football games, you know, baseball events. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But we always forget verse 17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save he didn't come to condemn, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians condemn. But where's the rejoicing? Where's the excitement? Christ sent, Christ came to this earth to save, not condemn. The last thing we need to do is condemn. And so getting that mentality, getting that understanding, being a fulfiller means living out the mission of Christ. He wasn't here to divide. He was here to bring in the fold. He was here to bring us into fellowship. And earlier in the gospel, I love it, Jesus gives a command to the disciples where he essentially says, love one another as I have loved you because your love for one another is really what's going to show the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another proves that you are my disciples because you're not sticking to the status quo. You're going beyond that. I love the fact, have you ever heard the phrase, go the extra mile? You know who set that trend? Jesus. You know, we think a lot of times, oh, well, you know, where, where do some sayings come up? Jesus, remember when he was telling the disciples, if a Roman centurion gives you his backpack, you know, by law, you're supposed to carry it a mile, I want you to go another mile. Go the extra mile. Jesus set that trend because, you know, he realized the world is watching us all the time. They're always keeping their eyes on us. And the conduct of our lives is going to determine whether or not we're showing that unity and love, the purpose behind why Christ came to this earth versus our own selfishness. And the, remember, again, to be a fulfiller, to be living out the mission of Jesus on this earth has to be with that reality of what God's love can do. People in this world are looking to find purpose People in this world are looking to find acceptance. And we can give that to them because Christ gave that to us. We're no longer on the outside. We're on the inside. We are no longer the rejected, but we are the loved and brought in. We have that purpose. Christ can give them that purpose too. Christ can give them that love, but we have to show it. We have to be an ambassador of it, not just a talker. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk. It's, all, it's hard to do. But believe me, it's possible. I love the fact that in the Gospel of Luke, 
there's a verse that says the very same power that raised Christ from the dead abides in you. What in the world can we not overcome in this world? Christ himself said, I have overcome the world. So what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Uh, there was a pastor uh, in Lindsay's church back in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He told a story of how another pastor <laughs> went to his car after a little uh, seminar that pastors seemed to go to. And he goes and he goes to turn on the vehicle and the vehicle doesn't start. And other pastors are watching him. He gets out. He goes to the hood of the car. And instead of opening up the hood, he puts his hand on it and he starts to pray. And the guys are kind of laughing like, yeah, right, really? You're going to get your car to start by praying for it? Come on, I'm a pastor, but really you can do that? He said, nope, I can't. I can't do it, but God can. He goes back in his car and it turns on. All the guys are like, whoa, you need to pray for me. You need to pray that my, my ministry is successful. He said, your ministry is never going to be successful if you don't believe in the power of prayer. I'm like, wow, okay. And, and I just, that blows my mind because so many times we think that practical things on this earth, like, oh yeah, praying over your car, that'll change something. It works. Christ overcame the world. Christ overcame the things of the world. So why do we let the things of this world bring us down and make us think we have no hope? If we are to be a fulfiller of the mission of Jesus, that means that we also have to believe we have the ability to fulfill that mission by living out that life. Secondly, being a missional church, it means making a disciple. Making disciples. So the second word I want you to remember, supporter. Say the word, supporter. So we're supposed to be a fulfiller, and we're supposed to be a supporter. Who doesn't need a friend in this world? <laughs> Who doesn't need someone that they know that that person's got my back? You know, I, I love in verse 23, Jesus talks about being perfected into one. Christians are supposed to build one another up. They're supposed to live in unity with God if they want to have the greatest chance of effective witnessing. Let's show the next slide here. If, in fact, we are not building one another up, if we are not praying for one another, helping each other find their purpose, living out that purpose ourselves in relationship with God, we're going to be like the three stooges on a football field trying to figure out who is the quarterback, who is the linebacker? Who is the running back? There was one time playing football myself. I was a little young, and I, I was a right guard. Basically, if you see a football team line up and there's a quarterback, I was on the right-hand side. I was a big guy pushing people. And we go through the huddle, and we go to the line, and I was the trick play. I went to go be a tight end. And basically, I just had to run to the right and catch a ball. I'll never forget, I was out on the line, and I hear my dad, What are you doing? Get back over there. And I said, Dad, I'm going to catch the ball. He, he was trying to be a support, but not really the support I needed. It was more of a distraction than a help. Sometimes we're calling out the plays when really all we have to do is support and believe in our teammate. I mean, really. Like, I, I know that can be hard to do because all of us want to be in control from time to time. But being a supporter, being a helper, being a companion, being someone who like sharpens you like iron sharpens iron means that sometimes you have to believe that God has the play call right. You've got to help him along. Because sometimes it's not easy what our brothers and sisters in Christ go through. But if we're there with our prayer, 
If we're there with our love, with our support, it'll make all the difference. By praying for other Christians, by avoiding gossip, that's hard. Sometimes it's hard not to give in to gossip, but avoiding gossip, building others up, working together in humility, boy, that can be a challenge from time to time because the ego can get the best of us. Giving of our time and our money. I, I know we have uh, Jacob who's going to be moving here soon to Baltimore, and we're excited about that. It's going to be great to have him here in the village. And one of the things that he keeps asking is like, are you going to be available to help me move? Yeah, I'll be available to help you. No, seriously, are you going to be available to help me move? Yeah, I'll be there. I went and helped him move weightlifting equipment because I will let him tell you about that, but he's very excited for the future. I may not have agreed to like, you know, do it right then and there, but I knew, hey, this is important to him. I want to help him. And boy, was he happy. He was so excited. Sometimes being a, a helper, being a supporter <laughs> also means doing things you may not want to do but you know it will make the difference in your brother or sister in Christ. And refusing to get sidetracked, arguing over the decisive matters. There are so many things that we get caught up arguing about. Style of worship, the, the attire that we wear, little things that don't really impact the kingdom in magnificent ways. We get sidetracked by that because we want to think, you know, every believer has to sing a certain way. Every believer has to dress a certain way. Every believer has to part their hair a certain way. You know what? In seminary, we had an argument over neckties. Use a Windsor knot or do you go just loosey-goosey? I mean, really, we're sitting in here arguing about neckties when people are losing their lives, never knowing Christ. What's more important? We, I know Pastor Brian has talked about it before, you know, a drive-in church. And sometimes we, as Christians, are like, drive-in church? Really? How does that work? Is it really going to make an impact? If a drive-in church saved 100, Christian, 100 people, hey, let's do some more drive-in churches. <laughs> you know, sometimes the means, we, we get all confused with that, and we think it doesn't justify the ends, but I'd rather see a soul saved than a soul lost because I'm arguing about how it's going to come about. Refusing to get sidetracked, building up the body of believers, helping others focus on the eternity and not the temporary. Ooh, that's hard from time to time. Focusing on, the, on eternity and not the temporary. Uh, there's a, if you ever get the chance, I want you to write down Titus 2. That's a great book to read when it comes to talking about unity. Uh, Paul gives some practical application for how to do good for the sake of the gospel. And one of the things that he's telling the disciples, especially when it comes to discipleship here at that church, uh, having the older people counsel the younger and going on and on, but the main purpose for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. How many times do we forget that blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do good. It's hard to get to that point unless you got a support system in place. If you are able to have, it, if you've experienced that support system before, try to be that to somebody else. And after you encourage that other person, see who else you can encourage. We talked about owning our stories, right? 
Well, if you know your story and you see a brother or sister fumbling in a certain way that you've gone through before, reach out to them, encourage them, be that support system. Because you know what? There is more to live for than what this earth presents to us. There is so much more to live for. We have our foot one door in eternity. We're working towards it. There's so much more to live for. And there's so many things that distract us. Those silly arguments, those divisive arguments, they're just not important. And also, it takes away the risk of self-glory by showing God's glory. Because let's face it, sometimes as Christians, we want to go solo, right? We want to be the maverick. We, we want to be the person who gets the spotlight, the attention. We have the greatest testimony. We have the greatest impact on others. We have the biggest personality. You know what? Sometimes the greatest supports I've heard about from other Christians are those people you don't see in the forefront, but the people that are in the background. How can you be that in somebody's life? So you need to be a fulfiller. You need to be a supporter. Thirdly, being a, a missional church means being on the move. Say, transformer. Transformer. I heard a couple. Transformer. It means being a transformer. It means going forward. It means not just sitting still, but getting out there, getting our, our feet moving and wanting to transform other people. One of the things that I've always loved about the Great Commission, I, when growing up, when you would read out of Matthew, the Great Commission, I thought, go into the world and make disciples. But really, when you get to the, the bottom line of what that means, it's as you're on your way, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wherever you are going, make those disciples. Transform. Be that transformer in someone else's life. And it doesn't have to be overseas, but right here. And that's why I'm excited to bring you this message because right now we are a church plant in Baltimore because we believe we can be that transformer, that we have the ability as we are here and going on our way, we can impact others. I love it. And in the last part of this text, it says, until the world knows that God sent his son and all understand how much God loves us. That's the transforming part. It's more than just telling. It's transforming. It's more than just shouting out the name of Jesus, but helping people understand why. Because, you know, it's not enough for the world to know what Christ has done. What really counts is for them to experience and believe and understand what Christ has done. God's love, it is far too good to keep to ourselves, isn't it? I mean, really, have you experienced the love of God in powerful, impactful ways? Have you experience God's love like maybe on one of those nights where you're thinking to yourself my life seems like a hot mess and I have no idea where I'm going to go from here maybe my marriage feels like it's in shambles maybe my kids don't respect me maybe my job is driving me nuts and you just feel that calm spirit come about you and you know you just know that's God's Love, breaking through the barriers that we have built up. That is too good to keep to ourselves. In verse 24, Jesus says, Father, I want these whom you've given to me to be with me so they can see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me from before the creation of the world. And I want to tell you something. If you haven't heard it in a while, it may seem elementary, but guess what? God loves you. God cares for you. 
God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And again, God loves you. Why do we so easily forget about the love that God has for us? Why do we just throw that to the wayside? Oh yeah, I know God loves me. But really, do you know it? Do you understand it? That God loves you tonight. Regardless of what your past looks like, regardless of what mistakes maybe you made today, God loves you. So how will God's love ever be known by other people if we're not willing to share it and transform them and help bring them along? And really, really, it's what brings us the most joy. Earlier in the gospel, John records Jesus as saying nourishment. I love that. Nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And I believe it is the will of God for the fields to be harvested. It's actually in John chapter 4, Starting at verse 34, it says, My food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. The fields are ready. The harvester wants the crop. Are you willing to go out there and do the work? Are you willing to go out there and transform? Harvest is ready. But he needs a fulfiller. You've got to fulfill the mission of Jesus. He needs a supporter because it's a big field and it's going to take more than one person. And he needs a transformer to make the work happen. The next slide is just a field. I just want you to look at that. Can you imagine if every single grain that you see there is a person? We can't do that on our own. But to fulfill the mission of Jesus, we need to support one another. And you can see that field transform. And that's what's going to bring you the glory. That's what's going to bring you real joy. So the message may seem simple. The message may seem easy. But it's not being done all the time. So I encourage you. I encourage you this week. Here's some practical application. First thing I want you to try. I want you to tell somebody about how much Jesus loves you. Sounds easy, right? It'd be very scary. I just want you to say, hey, you know what? I just got to tell you, I've had a rough week, but the other day I went to church and I really sensed that Jesus was just reminding me, hey, I love you. And it just feels good to be loved. Second thing, if it's a person you know, I just want you to go up to them and say, can I pray with you? I just feel this need. I I just want to pray with you. It's not the hardest thing to do, but again, it's not something we always do. So I encourage you this week, you just go up to somebody and say, hey, can I pray with you? And you may think, well, I don't really know how to pray. Guess what? Our next slide, we got a place for you to go to offer that prayer to people. Stay connected, tm at gmail.com. If you have a question about how to lead somebody to Christ, ask us the question. We'd be happy to answer that. Third, This is the hard one, okay? I want you to invite somebody to church. I want you to invite one person to church. We have a little handout for you at the end of service today. It's to promote our back-to-school bash. It's going to happen next Sunday after church. And the first 20 kids that bring that card in get free school supplies. So really, all you have to do is hand out the card 
But maybe if you're going to hand out that card, they say no. <laughs> you can come back later and say, hey, you need any help with anything? Is it right if we, we pray really quick? I just wanted to let you know, I see you got some kids around you. Maybe they could use some school supplies. Would you come to church? Not always easy, but that's why we're in the midst of this series, Evangelism. It's really to, to encourage you, to build you up, to be that supporter and get you out there sharing the message of Christ because guess what? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't really have to tell you that. You already know that. You can turn on the news and see that and have confirmation. But I am not going to stay stagnant. I want to get out there and get my feet dirty. The harvest is ready. The fields are ripe. What are we doing? Let's go out there. Let's transform. Let's let them know about the love of God. Let's not condemn, but let's show them that Christ came to save. Let's be the light in a darkened world. Let's be that city on a hill. Let's be that shining light to the entire world because you know what? They need it. They need it. And a series of evangelism isn't just so we can take notes and go, oh yeah, maybe one of these days we'll do it, but to live it out. Because guess what? The world needs it today. Tomorrow's too late. And yesterday is gone. Are you ready to be that fulfiller? Are you ready to be that supporter? And are you excited to be that transformer? Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, what a tough task. God, there are times where you have called us out of our comfort zones to, to speak to others about the love of Christ, but how often do we forget that, you know what? At some point, you displayed your love for us in another, that we got to that moment of giving our hearts to you because somebody went out of their comfort zone. God, I pray that we would remember the words of your son. As we looked at your text tonight, Lord, Jesus had us on his mind and the world on his mind. But he needs the people to do the work. And God, I just pray that you would encourage us as we've just gone over the series of evangelism to live out boldly our faith in you, to be those proclaimers of the good news of the gospel of Christ, that we would display it with our unity with each other, with the love of our action. And that you would do the work, Lord. God, I pray for each person here. I thank you for each person here. And I pray that as you are stirring in their hearts, as you're sending your spirit to, to, to just kind of guide them and direct them, Lord, that you would give them that holy boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus. That you would give them that assurance that you are with them as they share that name. And that you would help them find that nourishment and joy from sharing the name of Jesus. Bless the village of Baltimore, Lord. We ask that the people in this village would really start to come to know you, that we can live out that mission here, that you would see hearts and lives transformed. Bless us, Lord, as we leave this place. We ask all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.